join Tim and Christina Madden, co-founders of Executive Career Upgrades on their podcast, The Executive Career Upgrades Podcast. As an executive in today's highly competitive job market, it can be tough to succeed. However, with Tim's nationally recognized career advice and Christina's mindset expertise, you can reach your full potential. Tune in to upgrade your career and get ahead of the competition. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Executive Career Upgrades Podcast. Hey, if you don't know us, I am Tim Madden. This is the 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 beautiful Christina Madden. And we talk about each week, hey, how to get the job and money you deserve in the marketplace and everything incorporated into that. Hey, we go live each week inside the Executive Career Network, the fastest, largest, to my knowledge, growing community of directors, VPs, and executives on Facebook. Please check us out. Hey, if you're watching in the hashtag ECN, let us know in the comments. I will be monitoring them. And then obviously to our great friends over on LinkedIn and YouTube, managing those comments as well. And then we decide, you know, why not upload it everywhere on the internet to the 33 platforms that we do? Wow. The internet's so crazy. crazy. Thanks to our amazing marketing team. Yes. Amazing marketing team. Thank you, Raquel and Christy. Hey, do me a favor. If anything resonates with you on this episode, and I know it will, because this is, this is something that we, we don't talk about a lot, but, but we'll get into that soon. I talk about it every day. You talk about it every day, (laughs) but Hey, share this with a, a friend, a family member, someone you think that needs to hear this message, it will truly help them accelerate their career. Before we get started, we were just, we've been having some fun, but now it's time to get back to work. So last week, we were uh, very fortunate to be at the JW Marriott in beautiful San Antonio, Texas for the Inc. 5000 conference, where we were the 512th fastest growing company. And we were dancing and I keep telling everybody, it's kind of like having your own personal like New Year's Eve. I mean, the, the event was just like, gorgeous full vip high quality hosted by uh terry terry shaw terry shaw which that was incredible we met some really innovative thinkers just very forward thinkers people that are just absolutely revolutionizing products and services in their markets so it was a really true blessing to be there uh next year we're shooting for inc 500 we'll be taking our team yep watch out for that we'll be all over marketing (laughs) <laughs> putting our bragging rights out to you guys when we make Inc. 500 next Well, year. I know if you're following us on LinkedIn, I posted that video where we were dancing and we yeah. threw, threw the stuff up that a lot of you like. So, hey, we appreciate that. Even, even this old military guy was dancing and loosening up. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we didn't even have cocktails. We had we ice, had, we had we ice had water. Zero, zero alcohol. <laughs> We've been talking to you guys about not drinking. We're walking the walk over here. Yeah. And then additionally, hey, thank you to Inc. has a, a sub- a sub portion of ink ran by Syracuse university for top veteran owned businesses. And we are the 49th fastest growing veteran owned businesses in the United States. So thanks to everyone's support in America and those a great deal of you abroad who tune in each week to the executive corrupt grades podcast. So as always, before we get oh, wait, st- wait, 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 what's up? You brought up the, the veteran statistic there this weekend is veterans day this Saturday. So I do want to just, while I'm on the podcast, uh, wish everybody, um, you know, our gratitude and thank you for your service. Enjoy your weekend this weekend. Some places are probably closed on Friday. So you guys can enjoy that. The reason we got this, get record, your free meal, well, you get your free meals, <laughs> You know, do all the fun things, go take advantage of all that fun stuff. Um, but the reason we got that, rec- you know, that recognition too is when this company first launched, we focused only on like high ranking, not just high ranking, but mostly high ranking transitioning military veterans. And so I bring this up 
on Veterans Day week that if you are transitioning or you're looking to to make your way out of the military and you want to go into corporate America and target some of these high level positions, you couldn't be in better hands than over here at ECU. So if that's you and that's coming up time for you, then then definitely schedule a call with us. And if that's you, go on over to execupgrades.com backslash podcast. Yeah, there we go. Well, let's get started. Uh, Christina, episode 105 unlocking your inner potential, right? The value of belief and investment of people with our special guest, Olivia Smith. I'm going to bring her in now and uh, let's get started. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, Olivia. Welcome to the Executive Career Upgrades podcast. I have some incredible questions for you today because after stalking you down on the internet, all over the internet and all over uh, your website, um, I've learned a lot about what you do, what you focus on, and it's kind of my love language. And so I'm really excited to ask you some questions. But uh, Olivia Smith is the founder of Write a New Story. You can find her on her website. Maybe maybe Raquel, if you're listening, you can even drop her website so everyone can go over and take a look at what you um, provide. But she is dedicated to helping businesses of all sizes transform their operations, improve their communication, and build strong, productive teams. But Olivia, I am sure you can introduce yourself better than I can. So tell us a little bit about what you do um, and what your background is. So my background, I have a sort of a wacky resume. I went from nursing to uh, building a seven-figure manufacturing company to starting a nonprofit. So I have a um, an unusual background, but it has prepared me for the consulting work that I do now and my focus on culture and people and the importance of of the people to your organization. Awesome. And when I was on your website, I read a lot about the work you've done that is trauma related. And this always gets me excited. It gets my blood pumping because, you know, when people come to us, they're looking to grow in their career. They're looking to, you know, set new goals, build relationships and just grow uh, just overall. And it usually comes down to maybe not the first conversation, but the second and third conversation, we start to understand um, where people are struggling with some of their just lingering childhood trauma. And so my question, I talk to people about this all day, but I want to hear more about what you think happens during that process of working through trauma and how some of that trauma can hold people back because obviously it impacts belief systems and um, confidence. So, so how do you work with your clients and what do you see people struggling with? Well, interestingly enough, I um, really got a heavy dose of this work when I started the nonprofit. The nonprofit is called Healing Housing, and we house women in recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. And so my background as a nurse, I was a trauma nurse. And so you and I are now talking about a different kind of trauma. And so watching the women come through healing housing, hearing their, hearing their stories, I finally realized, you know, we're not housing addicts, we're housing trauma victims. Hmm. And that was sort of a, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but I, it was kind of a light bulb moment, light switch moment where I went, you know, wow, I now so much more easily can see this tie between the childhood trauma these women had experienced, not all, but most, most had experienced childhood trauma. And I had a therapist one time say, people will either take themselves out or they'll find something to numb the pain. Mm -hmm. And that's the ones that don't take themselves out and find something to numb the pain. That's the reason they're still alive, you know? And so 
it was very eye-opening to work with those women and to learn their stories and to understand how that set them up for really a lifetime of struggle. And um, so through that work, now as I left the nonprofit in the hands of people that are actually in recovery and are, are doing that great work at the nonprofit every day, and I turned my sights back to the business world, now I had sort of that trauma lens in the back of my mind as I turned back towards working with executives. And of course, no surprise, <laughs> trauma is everywhere in the C-suite, you know, it's... Um, it's uh, if you just look at one statistic of childhood sexual abuse, for instance, it's one in four girls and one in six boys by age 18 have been sexually abused. Well, there's walking wounded everywhere just from that one issue. So you just have to bring an awareness to your consulting, your coaching that, um, like you said, to your point, Christina, they're not going to pipe up and tell you that in meeting number one. They may never tell you. But when you're observing behavior, observing how the CEO is behaving, trying to put pieces together, um, you know, sort of the hamster wheel that you'll see a CEO on where they just go and go and go and go and there's no off button. They're 24-7. They're spinning. Um, that's a red flag to me now because that's a trauma response or in many instances is a trauma response. Um, so you just learn certain behaviors that you've gotten used to seeing in the trauma arena. You can recognize those same same signs in the business world. It's sort of universal. Trauma is not specific to just alcohol and drug abuse. It's 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 a wide range of trauma that's out there lingering. That's right. That's right. Oh, sorry. Oh, Oh, so for those of you who are listening, some some of you might be thinking like when you hear the word trauma, and we know we hear some of the world's most horrific stories around sexual abuse and all of that, but when we hear trauma, it doesn't always have to be like that that extreme of it, right? It could be something that maybe you experienced with your parents arguing, or somebody told you something that you were bad or wrong or not good enough. It could happen with the teacher, whatever, right? And we internalize these, you know, stories that we create our, our reality around. We talk about this a lot. So what are some of your tactics when you start seeing the trauma responses and you start understanding this a little deeper about somebody you might be working with? What are some of your, I don't know if tactics is the right word, but what's your, what's your approach with that? Well, I think, you know, it has to be very soft because of course, as coaches and consultants, we're not therapists. So you have to be very careful about how you approach that. My first, um, when I feel like I'm seeing it and it has not been discussed in any meetings, then you just sort of ask questions that might allow the room to soften up a bit, make sure that they've got an environment they feel safe to talk. And if someone does go there and start talking about that, my first question is always, have you ever gotten help for this? Have you ever reached out to and had, you know, any therapy? Um, and if they have not, I typically will recommend that they think about doing that. And then my job as a, as a coach is to say, how is this, whatever we're discussing, how do you feel like it's impacting you today? Because my job's not to dig around in the past with them. That's the therapist's job. How is it impacting you today? 
And what can we do with that moving forward? Because you've still got to live in today and keep marching forward, even if you are going to take the time to go back and address some of those issues from the past. You still have to wake up every day, still have to get to work every day, still have to figure out how to function in the world in spite of this stuff that might be trying to come up and be dealt with. So we, um, you know, discuss whatever they're comfortable discussing. And that brings an awareness for me as their coach or consultant that, that this is sort of bubbling on the inside. And then we just keep that top of mind as we're going along. And if they have a day when we're working together where it's pretty obvious that something's bugging them, we just stop and, and say, you know, tell me about what's going on right now. What's, what's weighing you down? What's, you know, I'm seeing, seeing some signs that all is not well. And again, if they bring it up fine, if not, we just move on, but it has to be in their time in their way, you know, um, very carefully uh, discussed and dealt with. And like I said, the first encouragement is always to seek therapy. Absolutely. When I do my mindset calls, I'm always prefacing the conversation with that. Uh, everybody can benefit from therapy. So I love this. I love this conversation. So when you have like, okay, when somebody comes into our environment and they want to enroll in executive career coaching and everybody thinks it's about the job and the salary and uh, the next, you know, the next best thing. Um, and we can provide them with all the systems and processes to, to get these roles. And for those of you, like some of our clients that are listening, you're like, hey, yeah, that's me. I just want my next job. Um, but they're also going through like some of the things you talked about on your website, which is like divorce, major life transitions um, and things like that. How, how do you approach coaching um, for people who are going through major life transitions, because again, I would venture to say like 90% of our clients have big life changes going on, not just the career it could be financially yeah, or right? relationships, mm -hmm. whatever. So relationships. what are your, what are your thoughts on that? So I sort of have a, a different approach. I start all of my clients out. We do a behavioral assessment because if I'm going to work with someone and I'm going to be advising, making recommendations, um, on particularly a new job or a new career shift. Uh, I want to know who that person is. And the work I do is all based upon learning about who they are. Okay. And the work, when I do that work and, and I'll do workshops, I have big groups that I do that with. What's so fascinating is I'll go through all the training about the different styles that we learn. And then I will pass out a piece of paper and say, okay, now everybody write down which one you think you are. And I'm talking about very educated, you know, smart people and half the room will guess it wrong. Guess who they are incorrectly every time. And so my point is, you know, whether you're out trying to make a career shift, you're um, a leader, you're a mentor, you're teaching people, you're leading teams, you're a you're a C-suite executive. You're walking. We're walking around out there and we don't even know who we are much less how we might be coming across to other people and taking it one step further. How are we coming across to our clients, you know, especially if we're in sales or net, whatever our job is and how we're interfacing with the public. So it's layer upon layer of work in terms of getting people to first focus on themselves and figuring out who they are. Do they have a vision for themselves, especially with the career change? What are, where, who are you and where are you trying to go? What's your vision for what you're trying to create and where you're trying to go? 
A lot of business owners can't even answer that question. If I say, <laughs> what's your vision for your company? Where are you trying? You know, where are you going? They just look at you with a blank stare. Right. Well, right. we make this, we do that. They'll tell you about their product. They'll tell you about their service. I'm like, that's not my question. Where are you going? What's the point of all of this? And so that's kind of where we start. What's the point of you and your life right now? Where does it end? What do we look, where are we trying to go? What's your path? And then we take a look at their profile and kind of how they're naturally wired and how they show up at work and what's happening to their profile when they get to work. And then we dig into what kinds of jobs, what kinds of positions make the most sense with who they are. We're all smart people. We can all take any job and do a pretty good job in it. But if it's not a fit with really who we are and where we're trying to go, it's not a long-term solution for happiness. You'll be miserable after a year or two. And that's not what we want. We, You know, if it's an emergency, I've got to find a job this week. If it's some sort of, you know, but you've just got to recognize long-term, you've got to focus on who you are, what your gifts, strongest gifts are, where the opportunity is for you to match your passion with a place that has a mission and a vision that matches with where you're trying to go. And that's usually a recipe for success. Yes. Yes. And ex exactly what you just described, guys, is the foundation of people and culture. culture. And the reason people haven't stopped to ask themselves this question, where would I be most happy? What kind of environment would I thrive in best? goes back to the belief lids and lack of self-worth and lack of self-confidence. So if you find yourself thinking like, I don't like, maybe you don't think you deserve happiness. Well, that would be one of the reasons why you end up in toxic work environment after toxic work environment after toxin work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of those things too, where, you know, we work, I was just at an event where there was just lots of business owners there. And to Olivia's point, you know, business owners, the ones I speak with have problems hiring great people, mm -hmm. right? But they don't have a vision for their company. They don't have big goals. So here we are kind of in a job market right now, right? Where lots of people don't even know what they want to do long-term and they haven't mapped out their goals. Those same people are interviewing at businesses that are mid and large or, or you know, even small businesses where maybe they have a vision wrote down somewhere in a mission statement, but they're not living it. They're not instilling it to the team and they don't know how to do setting and therefore we have a very chaotic corporate America. So what's the top reason? What's the top way, guys, to create a great company culture? It's through goal setting and connecting with people. That was actually my next question for Olivia is. When we think about kind of shifting gears here a little bit out of the out of the trauma conversation, all that we and we know that's the root of it. I know that might sound so weird to some people. That is the root of executive career coaching. Okay, that's been an evolution over here. I know that, but um, people and culture. So connecting with people, setting goals, um, and and uh, tackling operations and 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 leadership and all of that. So what? Tell us about these workshops that you do. So uh, the first step is the. Um, keeping in mind that one workshop does not fix your culture. <laughs> um, the culture, you know, I'll get calls. Hey, can you come do a workshop? My answer is I can. What, what are you trying to accomplish and listen to what they have to say? And I'll be very, I'm happy to take your money to come do a workshop, but that's not going to fix anything. It's fun. It's great conversation. 
it puts sort of a toe in the water about this kind of work and opens up the conversation about better communication. But that's all it's going to do. It's not going to fix your culture. If you want to invest in your people and work towards a healthier culture, or maybe you have a great culture and you want to make it better, whatever your reason is for wanting to do this work, understand that one workshop is not going to fix your culture or your people. So typically what I recommend is that I start with the workshop and we do the, the behavioral assessments and, and I do individual debriefs with every single person that's going to be participating. And then usually quarterly come back in and do additional training based on the work we did in the initial workshop. And all along the way, if they're adding new employees, we get them tested, we get them up to speed on the the language that we're trying to create, the communication and the new language that we're trying to create within the organization so that we're trying to keep everybody marching, you know, to the same uh, verse and song all along the way. And so after about a year of doing that work, you'll start to see things really taking hold. The leaders are now more informed about how to conduct a meeting and speak to every single type of person that's in that room in a more constructive way. Uh, one of the most common um, leader complaints that I get is, yeah, I, I hold meetings, I walk in the door, I'm happy, I'm talking about all the things we're going to be doing and the changes we're going to be making and the vision and where we're going. And half the room sits there and says nothing. I don't know what to do about that. I hear it over and over and over and over again. Well, it's because if the word change came out of your mouth, you just froze half the room. Yep, yep. Right off the bat, you've just scared them to death. And so it's just, you know, it's so, such it's such an interesting um, set of issues that you get into when you start really digging into the culture work. But we typically lead in our style, whatever style we are. We bounce in the room, we lead the meeting our way and we walk out and we think we did a great job. And that's really all we ever think about. And we go do the next meeting and the next meeting. And we never stop to think about how our words are being received. Did we get feedback from anyone on what the temperature of the room was after the meeting was over? I mean, there's no follow up. We just continue to blow through our CEO life leading in our way. And usually that's a pretty uninformed way of doing business. And it's not a great way to build culture. So we're having a little bit of a yeah, audio. One of the things I wanted to touch on, I know Christina has a question too, is I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought up that a 30 minute workshop is not going to fix your culture and people problems that you've likely had for five years. Right. Why? Um, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with this, Olivia, when we just talking about goal settings whether it's a business or an individual consumer, right, is the actual time it takes, right, to actually reshape culture, to actually, you know, reshape that the, the, the hiring process, right? And I think it can be, I think it can be accelerated if you have somebody like Olivia or like we, we have a mentor also that we work with. So you get some really cool systems to be able to connect with people. But yeah, I'm sorry. So what was no, your what was your question for? No, just oh, it was just the, a comment. It was like, you know, people I, don't realize how I long agree. it takes. And yeah. and people can only communicate, you know, or can only, can only meet people as far as they've met themselves. So in order 
So if you're like what she just described, which is you're having a hard time enrolling people in this new vision, these new beliefs. Oh my gosh, you're so happy, and you've gone in and you expected all these people to be so excited, ready to follow you. Uh, you kind of have to take a look at yourself, right? You really have to like the, the movie Bugs Life that my son watches all the time, and there's all like first rule of leadership: it's always your fault. And so, it's 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 really we have to take a look in the mirror at ourselves when we're not getting the results that we want. So. Yeah, I mean, you see strategic plans done all the time and they get dumped on a culture that's not healthy. It just implodes every time. So I think the uh, if you talk about, I mean, let's talk numbers for a minute. If we um, you all mentioned at the outset about, you know, retention and keeping employees. Let's just take a 40 average $40,000 a year employee and you lose that person. So that's at minimum. 50% of their annual salary to replace them. So $20,000 to replace that person. Mm -hmm. If you do a year work of this cultural work with me, it's less than $10,000. You at the end of the year have a much healthier culture. Hopefully no one has left. Um, obviously re reasons beyond an employer's control certainly happen sometimes with employees, but typically employees leave because of a poor culture, not because they're not being paid enough but because of a poor culture, a sick culture, a culture where no one's investing in them. No one's helping them grow. The leader doesn't know how to lead. The leader's been put into a leadership position. They've never been a leader before. They don't mean to be doing it poorly. They just don't have any, they've never had any training themselves. So there are many reasons why cultures get side, you know, off on the wrong foot, but an investment in this sort of work is not all that expensive and it's certainly less expensive than losing even one person and the cost of one person. I don't think people really stop to realize the cost of turnover and the drain that turnover brings to an organization. And so what I like is getting a phone call from someone who has a healthy culture and wants to keep it that way. And so they're willing to invest in growing their people so that they keep a healthy culture. Instead, you get, you know, be, me being an old ER nurse and trauma nurse, that most phone calls I get are, ooh, we got problems, can you help? Well, you know, yes, I can, but it would have been so much better to never get there to begin with. So having a proactive, it's no different than the proactive wellness, the wellness concept. Go to your doctor and stay well, as opposed to just going to your doctor after the wheels have come off. People often people, ask, well, how do I even know like what a, what, what does a poor broken culture look like? What does a toxic work environment look like? And I really just tell people like, do the inner workings of that organization support your personal and professional and financial growth? Like, do you see that company as a vehicle to your personal goals? Are you happy there? Are you stressed out? But what are some of the things that you look out for, for quote unquote, what we would call a sick culture, as you said? Well, if you've got the backbiting, the backstabbing, people are out for themselves. They're not working as a team. There's no camaraderie. Um, no one's speaking up in meetings. Meetings are held. Everybody just sits there. There's no, no real feedback being given. Um, trust is typically an erosion of trust, mostly is what has started this problem. And once you have lost trust at the organization, nothing's going to be right. And so you really have to go all the way back to how are we going to reinstitute trust into this organization? What does that look like? How, what, where did that problem start? And how are we ever going to get trust built back in? And that's, a, that's tough. 
if you've gotten to the point where it's toxic, it's, that's a that's a very hard thing to repair because what's happened is trust is gone. Mm-hmm. And you being in the military, Tim, I was listening to um, a book, audio book the other day, and they were talking about how that one thing, trust in the military leader, if the guys or girls underneath that leader have lost trust, he has nothing. Wow. They won't follow you. They won't believe in you. I mean, you break that bond of trust, you're in trouble. Well, just, well, just, just like just you were like you, reading, you were talking about, you know, just disorganization, essentially, like we're doing stuff, but nothing's getting done, you know? So essentially there's not really a structure. There kind of is, but not really. And that's one of the reasons why military vets have so much problem transitioning because they come from a very high structure of there is a book for everything. There's a training program. I mean, everything could not be more clear. And then, then when they transition to corporate America, right, when vision's unclear, strategy's unclear, you know, policies are unclear, they get frustrated and they're not successful and they leave. And that's why they have such a problem. Well, guys, think about if if the trust collapses inside of like the military, like our armed forces. Oh, my gosh. Not be good. We're all in trouble. Um, Okay, so then one of my last and final questions, and thank you so much for this. I would love to actually continue this conversation at some point. But we know you love the DISC assessment. I read read that on your website. And there's so many different assessments out there. Brandon Dawson actually has a really cool one called the R3, but I wanted to hear what do you love about the DISC assessment and what kind of results do you see if people actually not only just take the assessment, but really use the data and implement that? And how, how have you seen that impact teams out there? So you're right. There are a lot of assessments out there. I chose DISC because it's um, like 90 years worth of scientific research behind it. It's very well researched. There are a lot of things being used out there now that aren't based on anything. There's no science behind them. I'm just not going to put my name behind something like that. So the disc is very well researched, lots and lots and lots of data behind it. And it's the simplest. It's four styles. I can teach it in three, you know, hour and a half. The, the workshop I do is usually a three hour workshop. I teach the the DISC styles in about an hour and a half, and then we completely get focused on the people then that have done the assessments in the last hour and a half. So it's what DISC is um, measuring or looking at is behavior. So it's what I can see from you and Tim. If I, if I work with you, I can pick up this, um, the behaviors from watching you and listening to how you speak. So it's behavioral based. So when you do the training, people all of a sudden can think about their, you know, it could be their spouse, their child, their, you can relate it to anybody. And I have them write down as I'm just going through each style, write down people that you think might be this style, just based on what you know about them, how they talk, how they communicate. And it's, it, it sort of starts taking hold. And then I've had people tell me after the training, Oh, I've started using this at our board meetings. I've started leading this way. You know, it's a, it's a basically a language and a communication language that you develop based upon the disc styles, because it's going to teach you how do I talk to each style? If, if Tim has um, uh, a client in the room and he knows sort of has figured out probably down to two styles, they're either this or this He's going to know how to talk and coach that person in a much more informed way than if he had never thought about any of that. He's also 
Tim will have done the assessment himself. So first of all, he understands what style he is and the uh, things he has to watch out for when he's coaching either somebody of his same style or of one of the three other styles. It helps Tim be more informed about how he's approaching and you, Christina, how you all would approach a client and how you would speak in the client's language. Because if you can learn to talk in their language, in their the language of their style, you have a much higher likelihood of having a winning coaching session, consulting session, because they're hearing you. If you're talking in their language, they're going to hear you. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. why we, uh, we had a couple of questions. One was the R3 assessment is from a company, James, called Cardone Ventures. But I did want to stay on there too. There's like 20 different... 26 different personalities. What I love about that assessment is it tells you, remember, this is how you communicate with someone in this personality. And this is absolutely how you do not communicate with someone. Mm-hmm. So that's the R3 assessment. The other one they were asking on Facebook, how do you spell DISC? It's D-I-S-C. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the, it's yeah. the most popular one, a popular, mm-hmm. but that's because like what she said, 90 years of, of research. I've taken them before. That was going to be my last question. Anybody that's listening live, feel free to type your questions in the chat. I'm going to ask one more question. And if, if anybody comes through, we'll get the question to Olivia. But uh, how often should somebody take a disc? Is there like a, is there like a set thing on that? Cause I feel like people change so much. So your natural style over time is, is usually stays fairly consistent. What can change is your, sure. Uh, adapt it, what's called your adapted style, which is how you are around other people. If you're, if you're not alone, basically you're, we're most of the time we're in our adapted style that can change. If you've had a big life event, if you've had a huge career shift, I mean, yes, parts of that can shift, but what I look at is their natural style because that's what we're trying to coach to is who they really are. And so that typically is not going to have drastic, probably not terribly drastic changes over time. Okay. Okay. Do you have any final questions? Or Olivia, if you have any final comments or anything you'd like to share with the audience, feel free to do that. Uh, well, if they if they went to my website, I have a two-question quiz, which gives you an immediate um uh, guesstimate as to probably what your primary style is. So they may find that interesting. Um but I think just having people be open to the idea of learning more about themselves, self-reflection is not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially for CEOs who are blowing and going and busy and I don't have time for that kind of stuff. You know, it feels touchy feely. I've had some hard lessons that I've had to learn as a, as an employer, as a CEO in terms of people. And that's why I'm doing this work now is because I wish I had known this information 20 years ago, 30 years ago, what a difference it might've made for me as a leader in my career. Um, Because the way I led was my way. And I thought that was the right way. And I'm a much more informed um, leader now because of this work. And I just have wrapped my arms around it and feel like the rest of my career is going to get, be devoted to helping others understand the importance of who they are, how they're putting themselves out there and the impact that has on the bottom line of your family and the bottom line of your company. Culture, Culture. affects the bottom line. <laughs> it does. A lot yes, of people it does. actually realize that. Yeah, for so, you know, every year. Revenue. 
Can we start get to independent about revenue? Is what my book is about. The fearless executive, um, the playbook to managing your thoughts, implementing life-changing actions. And I have people that are in their like fifties and sixties that will come to me just sobbing. Like, why couldn't have I realized this in my thirties? That's like right. You, and well, first of all, that's a whole different conversation. Your age is always an advantage, but um, I think what, what Olivia was also alluding to is that people sometimes go their whole life without thinking about this. So just take this podcast as an encouragement to, to have some of that self-reflection, yes. hop over to Olivia's website, get your hands on my book um, and start asking yourself the hard questions so you can be better for yourself, your family, your teams. Um, you deserve it. So. Excellent. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for joining us. Raquel did um, um, put your website in the chat. So if you want to, oh. Thank you. Connect with Olivia. Take that. Take that two question quiz to to figure out your style. Hey, highly recommend to go over there. Olivia, again, thanks so much for joining us today. And as always, if you need help in your career, go on over to execupgrades.com backslash podcast. Until next week, have a great week. See ya. Have a good Veterans Day. Yeah.